Welcome to the Revival Fires podcast and the next installment in our Field of Dreams series. This message is entitled Rise Up and Build and we really hope that it blesses you. We want to invite you to come and join us at Revival Fires Church or to gather at one of our events or conferences. Visit our website for full details. We look forward to welcoming you right here in Dudley. We thank you, Jesus, for your presence. I don't know about you watching online. Uh, I hope that you felt the presence of God because it was beautiful in here, wasn't it? Didn't you just enjoy his presence? I love that Jesus is so faithful to his word. He says that when two or three are gathered, I will be right there in the midst of them. And God has been in the midst of us. And I, I just think no matter what happens, we, we sang those words, um, who can stop the Lord Almighty? Uh, we, we've been wearing masks. Guess what? It doesn't stop our praises. It's effective at filtering germs. Amen, Dr. Bramble. But it doesn't stop our praises, does it? Nothing can stop what we need to bring to Jesus. Nothing can stop what the Lord is doing in this time. And, and as we were singing that, I just had this sense. This, this is a little bit of persecution for us, let's be honest. I mean, I'm, I get fisheye, my glasses go all like uh, steamy. I wake up in the morning with spots all over my face. You know, I'm trying to communicate with people and it's difficult. This is a little bit of persecution, but let me tell you, in the midst of persecution, the church of Jesus Christ cannot be silenced. In the midst of persecution, the kingdom of God will continue to advance. And I'm just looking out, there's so many visitors, so many new faces, so many friends old as well. I want to just say a massive welcome to Revival Fires. It's so good to have you. I'm really excited that you've just come to seek the kingdom of God this morning. For those of you watching online as well at home, and I know that there's lots of visitors, we we share this uh, stream out to, to many people on Facebook and YouTube. I want to say to you as well, you're so welcome, and we really believe that God's got a word for you. So let's dive right in. We have been doing a series called Field of Dreams, tracking through the life of Nehemiah, and it's such a timely book. There's so much revelation, so many now words of deciphering the season and the time that we're in right now and knowing what the Lord wants us to do next. And here's the title for today's message, Rise Up and Build. Come on, say that with me. Say, Rise Up and Build. God is calling us into a time where we're going to rise up and build, where it looks around like things are shutting down, like things are closing down, like things are in confusion or uncertainty. Let me tell you, God's plan for His kingdom has never been in confusion. Now is the time for us to rise up and build. Let me do a little bit of a recap as well. I love Trevor's message last Sunday. Do you remember he spoke about, about this? He said, Nehemiah knew what it was to leave the pleasures of a kingdom to pursue the rigors of hard work. Nehemiah knew what it was to leave the palace in Babylon to go and live in the ruins in Jerusalem. Nehemiah knew what it was to leave the praise of being a wealthy, influential man in a kingdom, to go and face the ridicule of the, of the enemies as he was sent to build. He knew what it was to go through seasons of discomfort. Let me tell you that um, he was carrying a burden. That was the title of Trevor's message last week. He was carrying a burden. And God is setting us up to be people who carry a burden. But can I be totally honest with you guys right now? I don't, Nehemiah knew what it was to go through seasons of discomfort. I don't know how you felt this week. I'll be honest with you, things have been getting really good. The children are back at school. Let's have a great big hallelujah for teachers. Oh, come on, parents. I know there's a bigger shout there. 
teaches you guys are a blessing from the Lord. I just want you to know we are so grateful to you for having our children. The children have absolutely loved going back to school. And it's been this sort of breath of fresh air, this idea. I mean, here we are gathering as a church again. The weather's been great. That means a lot for me. (laughs) Kids are back at school. You feel like, God, we're getting somewhere. Only to wake up on, whether it was Tuesday or Wednesday morning, I'm not totally sure, to hear that there's more news of shutdowns, more news of restrictions, more news of lockdowns. And if I can be honest with you, it made me so uncomfortable. I just was thrown back into this cycle of, God, what is going on? God, I thought we were going somewhere. And it feels like the the destination has changed. And if you're anything like me, just look back at what we've gone through this year, church. We've gone through Brexit. We've gone through COVID. We've gone through fear, restrictions, through lockdown. We've gone through being controlled. We've gone through the reality of the racial issues and racial tensions that we have to face. This year has been a huge year. We've gone through recession while we're in it right now. We've gone through the transition of thinking things are coming back. And then again, all of this uncertainty. You know what? We are in uncomfortable times. But I've got a good word for you. The God of all comfort will come and comfort us because it's through this discomfort that He leads us to carry a burden. And I want to tell you, every one of you sitting at your tables, every one of you sitting on, at home, watching online, God has got a burden for you to carry because we are going to make a difference. I want to just prophesy this right now. As, as we were singing that song, Breathe On Me, and the worship team, you did such a great job this morning. I just felt the Holy Spirit coming in this room and putting coals upon each of you. There's a scripture. Where's that in the Bible? Let me tell you. It's in Isaiah chapter 6. And it was in the year that the king had died. It was in the year where there was confusion, where there was transition, where there was chaos, where there was uncertainty because a structure had fallen down. It was in that moment of of being uncomfortable, of discomfort, very similar to the moment we're in, that Isaiah saw the Lord seated on his throne. There is a throne above everything that's going on. And there is a king seated on that throne. And his name is Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. And in that moment, uh, Isaiah saw the angels coming and touching his lips with coal. Let me tell you, as we sang that, that prophetic, that new song, breathe on me, breathe on me, the Holy Spirit was moving through this place and he was touching you. He was anointing you with fire. I saw him breathing upon embers in your heart because you are going to be people who carry a burden for God to move. You're going to be people who carry a burden and in the, fa- in the midst of what the world is facing, you see things differently. In the midst of what the world is facing, you carry a different hope. You carry a different truth. You carry a different power. Yes, we might look like we're muzzled with our masks working, walking around the place, but let me tell you, there is a lion roaring on the inside of each one of you, and his glory is going to be coming out. That's what the Lord is doing. Oh, if we have eyes to see it, these days are going to become some of the most exciting days. But Ryan, they're so uncomfortable. Amen. <laughs> I tell you, I've never been so uncomfortable in my life. Let me, let me, let me use a little bit of a story again. Let me, let me take you guys through this. God is calling us to rise up and build. But what do we do with this, with this discomfort? Okay. How many of you have got that one lockdown purchase that you just think, man, what did I do buying that thing? I've seen, uh, I've seen Amazon's statistics. I've heard some of your stories. We've all gone through a season where we're at home. We've got, 
we need to do something. And we've been buying stuff, haven't we? Well, let me tell you about something that we bought. My beautiful wife, Anna, she said such lovely things about me. I'm going to say lovely things about her now as well. We, we were going on a walk one day in lockdown, and we have a lovely log burner in our lounge that we buy wood for in order to heat up the house in winter, that kind of stuff. And wood, you know, it can get expensive, and we're looking for the best place to buy in bulk, you know. We've got a nice big uh, car park in front of the house. I want to fill it up with wood, you know. So Anna's walking uh, with the children because there's no school and we've homeschooled and all that stuff. You know, you, you guys remember what it was like in May, right? You just wanted to do some retail therapy, didn't you? Right? Do I have an amen, ladies? Men? I'm a retail therapist. Don't send me to a guitar shop with the credit card. Let me just tell you that much. I, I went with Richard. I have to go with Richard to buy guitars. I get other people to buy guitars these days. It works really well. So we're walking down the road, and there's this guy loading up the back of a van with some logs. He's obviously just cut down a tree, and Anna is so thrifty. Anna, like, she knows how to spot a deal. She says to this guy, hey, what are you going to do with these logs? And he says, I'm going to go and dump them somewhere. And she said, hey, can I have them? And he said, sure. Um, I'll tell you what, I'll give me this much money, and I'll give, you, I'll give you all the logs once I'm done with them. And Anna said, great. She calls me, Ryan, you won't believe it. I've got you some logs for the log burner. It's going to be so good. So I thought, fantastic. I come home from work early because they're still on the walk and I have to go to the house to receive the delivery of logs. Now, unbeknownst to Anna, she didn't see what the pile was like behind the house that he was loading the logs into the van. So she just thought, you know, this many logs. An hour, two hours later, this eight-ton lorry <laughs> turned up outside my house full of logs. I've got 50 quid. I'm thinking, okay, I've struck the jackpot here. But he turns up. He's like, is this, is this the house? Are you expecting some logs? I said, yeah, mate, I'm expecting some logs. He said, okay, you're going to be busy. <laughs> so I walked around and I peered into the back of this van, this lorry, eight-ton lorry. It was filled to overflowing with freshly cut green logs. And I just thought, Anna, what have you done? <laughs> I mean, I was, I was both extremely happy but at the same time extremely uncomfortable so we managed to stop the traffic on the road to get the, the van to reverse into our garden no word of a lie he started to lift up his his uh, tipper truck you guys in tipper trucks i know i'm african but tipper truck you know that is right and it was so heavy that the hydraulics broke okay that's how much wood was in there so we climbed in and and he, well, he pulled out a couple of logs and eventually it was it was light enough to start to tip, and this just avalanche of wood fell on my garden. Let me tell you, this is the moment I realized what the saying meant. I couldn't see the wood for the trees. <laughs> this is what was happening. So he was, he was very happy to have dumped it with me. I felt um, un unsure what was going on. So Anna came back from the walk at this point, and she saw the, the look on my face, like, what have we just got into? And I think I said things to her like, you know, we've just made a commitment on this house for like the next five years, you know, the amount of wood here. Anyway, we stacked it up. We had a friend come and help us. We stacked it up. And uh, thank God for good friends with good tools. I have a friend, Tom, with a chainsaw. And he turned up one day and we spent a whole afternoon starting to cut this wood up. We only got through a third of it. So here's, what, here's the point I want to make. Every day I, I arrive home, I have to dodge a pile of logs while I park my car. And I have to face the children or my wife saying, when are you going to finish the logs, Ryan? And I, I've gone through so many excuses. These are, these are my excuses. Well, 
it's a bit too hot right now. If I go out there and start cutting, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a migraine. You know, Let's just wait for better weather. Better, better weather comes if the logs have been rained on. And the word comes, Ryan, when are you going to do the logs? And I say, well, you know, they're a bit wet right now. They don't really cut very well when they're wet. Uh, and then another time might come, Ryan, it's dry and it's not too hot. Are you going to do the logs? And I'll say, oh, I don't have an axe big enough. Or Tom's not here at the moment to help me cut the logs. There's always an excuse because here's the point. It's going to be even more uncomfortable for me to process those logs than the comfort I'm in right now. But let me tell you, the time will come when it gets really, really cold and I need to put a fire in the house that the discomfort that I'm in in my house is greater than the discomfort I've got to go through to process the logs. And what's going to happen? I'm going to be out there like a wood lumberjack. I mean, I'm going to be hacking at those things. I'm going to be processing. I'm going to be sorting them out. There might also come a time when my children, my spouse, continues at me for long enough that it becomes uncomfortable, so uncomfortable, that I'm going to go and do the job. Do I have an amen, men? (laughs) Let me tell you, sometimes that is as good as the voice of the Holy Spirit. Anna's, Anna's feeling really, really vindicated now. She's like, you see, Ryan, you got a message out of these logs. <laughs> She's going to do it again, I can tell. <laughs> Give Anna a hand, everyone. No, she's fantastic. <laughs> i got no problem with the logs. You, are you hearing, are you catching my drift? Here's what happens. While we're in places of comfort, we never move into times of action. While we're in places of being comfortable, There are things that we have to do that we never move into. Think about what are some of those spiritual uh, connotations, those spiritual questions. Think about your life even over the last couple of months. When has God told you to to reach out to that person that you were thinking of? And I'm not pointing a finger at you. I'm telling you because this happens to me. God will... God will put uh, someone's face in my mind and say, you need to pray for that guy. How do I know God put their their face in my mind? Let me tell you, it's simple. The devil never wants you to bless anyone, okay? So if you're getting that thought, you can be confident and certain that it's from the Holy Spirit, from God Almighty talking to you. And I've heard, oh, that's a great idea. I need to pray for that person. But the phone rings, something else happens. And it's a couple of weeks before I remember again because I haven't been a person of action. What about that time maybe God says, Ryan, you need to take a, a, a gift to the doorstep of a person and you need to pray for them. And I'm thinking, oh, okay, I need to do that. And day happens after day happens after day happens. And we, we, just, we just don't always become people of action. I'm so glad that you guys are at church. I'm not, I'm, preaching, I'm not preaching to the choir here. I'm trying to show us a story that what we're going through is that we're in a time of discomfort. But the Lord is bringing us through that for a purpose. And comfort comes. Comfort will come. What about, um, I, I managed to get my hair cut. Did you like it this, this week? Ah, thanks, Aaron, for the compliments. You know, when a young man, I'm not such a young man anymore. When a real young man says you've had a fresh trim, then you know you feel good, don't you? You know, you're sitting with your barber and, and they're, they're having uh, problems with the things that they're going on. Those are the moments when God says, are you going to say something? You've got the words of life inside of you. You have a word, a seed that can sow to bring courage and hope into that situation. Let's be people who go beyond the discomfort of that into what God is calling us into. So what, what, are, the, what are some of the things that stop us from rising up and building? Remember Nehemiah, he was in a place of comfort. He was the cupbearer to the king. He was actually a very influential man. He lived in a palace. 
but he traded that for the rigors of building the wall. He traded that for the rigors of rising up and building. He was living in pleasure, but he traded it for the ridicule. He traded it for the ruins of what God had called him into. Because let me tell you, no matter how good our life seems in comfort, our life with God is always way more fulfilling. That's a word right from heaven. So what are some of the things that stop us from rising up and building? Well, there are these, there are these, these three things. When we live in places of comfort, complacency can set in, conveniency can set in, and compromise can set in. But let me use the scripture just to, to teach you through this. So you want to turn with me. We're going to read 2 Corinthians from chapter 1, just a couple of verses from verse 3. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. This is what it says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercy and the God of all comfort. Say all comfort. He is the God of all comfort who comforts us in our affliction so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance... I don't know if we can have an amen to that. You guys, can you say that the suffering of Christ are ours in abundance? So also, our comfort is in abundance through Christ. But if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. Or if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which is effective in the patient enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. And this is our hope. Our hope is for you, our hope for you is firmly grounded, knowing that as you are sharers of our sufferings, so also are you sharers of our comfort. And there's a couple of points I just want to bring out. And the first is this. There is a comfort cycle. There is a correct cycle that comfort needs to come into. And this is the cycle if you read through 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 1. Comfort doesn't, the cycle of comfort doesn't start without comfort. The cycle of comfort starts with us being afflicted. Can you see that? This comfort cycle doesn't start with us being in a place of comfort. It starts with us being in a place of affliction and suffering. Good news. In these uncomfortable times, the comforter of Christ is going to come into your hearts. But let me just talk about this cycle a little bit. Here's how it works. Faith and comfort are opposites. Faith is about risk. Faith is about expansion. Faith is about following God, following His Spirit upon your life. Whereas comfort is about safety. Comfort is about being um, in a safe, secure place. Comfort is about security. Those two find it very hard to exist. When we have a comfort cycle that starts with my comfort being the most important thing, it becomes very difficult for the Lord to comfort us. The, The first step, and the comfort cycle should be affliction, should be trial, should be discomfort, should be what we are going through right now. And that's a good place to be in church. Those of you watching online, that's a good place to be in. I know the discomfort that we are going through with families who we can't see, with, with members who are sick, with fear, with uncertainty with jobs. Let me tell you, we are in the right place in the comfort cycle because from that place, we can be moved into God's comfort. But from that place, we can be people of action. So having an amen to that, people of action. 
You see, the very word that is used in 2 Corinthians 1 for comfort is translated. It's this word. It's the paraklesios. Now, that, does that word sound similar or familiar? It's because it's the same word Jesus Christ uses to describe the Holy Spirit, paraklete. Let me tell you what Paul is talking about here is the power of the Holy Spirit. God calls the Holy Spirit a comforter, not because he wants our comfort to be the most important thing to us, but because he is going to lead us into places of discomfort. And as he leads us into places of discomfort, he is going to pour his comfort upon you. Let me tell you, that should be giving you excitement because what we're going through right now, what we are entering into is a place where you are going to be used in such an effective way for the Lord. If you know the comfort of Christ going with you in places where people are freaked out, let's just use that word. You are going to be carrying such a light. You are going to be carrying such a hope. You are going to be a Nehemiah calling them to rise up and to build. That is what the Lord wants to do. Let faith lead you into uncomfortable places. You see, being too comfortable in worldly things leads us into complacency. When we're just complacent, things have been this way for so long, it's okay. You know, we we don't always have to come to church, do we? We don't always have to come to the prayer meeting. It's quite good just to sit at home and here you are at church. It's so good. But let me tell you, in complacency, here's what happens. The enemy can breathe and speak lies into our hearts. He can speak lies like this. Oh, you're at home. You're not in the church building. Maybe you should just sit this one out. Let me tell you, I'm not speaking any condemnation or negativity. We have made our convictions to be at home. We've made our convictions to come here and you are released with all grace to stay home. But what I want to speak against is the voice of the enemy that comes into times and places of complacency and says, guys, you know, just sit this one out. This is someone else's problem. Church, this is our watch. This is our time. This is our moment to rise up and to build. I want to just just give a testimony right now. I know there's a fantastic lady called Pauline. She serves her socks off. She is a massive blessing to this church. She'll be the first one here helping us on worship team, doing the word. She'll be making coffee. We won't always have even recognized her. But in this time when she has to stay at home, and that's the right thing, She hasn't just said, I'm going to sit this one out, guys. Do you know what she does? If you go on Facebook right now, if you go on a message, you will see uh, someone typing. There is fire coming out of their fingers in these comments right now. I'm telling you, there is like words of blessing. There are scriptures. There is encouragement. There is welcoming. Some of you might even even been here because you tuned in in the morning and someone said, welcome your name. It's so good to have you. Let me tell you, that was Pauline. She said, I'm not sitting this one out doesn't matter if I'm not with you church physically I'm with you church in the spirit can you see what I'm saying and I want you to know church at home people who are watching online this is our time together God is going to be sowing into our lives even right now as he's as he's touching your lips with that coal he's going to be sowing into your heart ideas of ways that you can make a difference let me let me talk you through this where's complacency in the book of Nehemiah well I'll tell you When Nehemiah went to Jerusalem to build the walls, guess who he used? He used the people who were living there the whole time. Guess what they used as bricks? They used the rubble and the ruins that were lying by the side of the wall the whole time. Why didn't they build the wall earlier? It had been years. It had been 70 years the temple had been restored. And here they were living in a city with its walls broken down. Why? Because we can get so complacent with the status quo. 
We can get so complacent thinking this is the way things are. This is the way that they're going to be. Let me tell you, rise up and build. The way things are right now is not the way they have to be. This is not just a new normal. I'm getting kind of tired of hearing that on news broadcasts and that kind of stuff. This is not the new normal. Let me tell you, church, this is not the way it's going to be because God is going to revive us. God is going to bring revival to this town. God is bringing revival to our country. I don't know how it looks, but I know that we can be those who say, no, let's rise up and build. All Jerusalem needed was one Nehemiah to come and to wake them up from complacency and say, guys, here's what we're doing. We're going to build this wall. Let me tell you, in your workplace, you can go into a situation where people have become complacent. People have not been able to see the future and God can give you a word and you will be a Nehemiah walking into your workplace saying, come on now, colleagues. Come on now, friends. We're going to make a difference. You can be a Nehemiah in your family place, going into your homes and saying, come on, family. There's a different way of living. There's a higher calling. Yes, this is the status quo. Yes, this is the way things are right now, but it doesn't have to stay this way because I've got the roar of the Lion of Judah on the inside of me. And no mask is going to stop that. Do I have an amen? Come on. This is where we're going. Rise up and build. Don't let the enemy say anymore. We're going to sit this one out, friends. That's not going to happen. You see, complacency leads us into failure to act. But we are not going to be afraid to act. And I just want to say this again. Everyone watching at home, everyone here in line, here online, here in person at the building. It's just so good to see you. This is an encouraging word. I want us to be, at the end of this, we're going to rise up. We're going to build. We're going to see the situation that has caused us discomfort in a new light. We're going to see the situation that's caused us pain, confusion, uncertainty in a new light. Like I said, Monday, Tuesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we were reeling a little bit like, Lord, what is happening? I thought we were going somewhere. But when God starts to talk to me about this saying, no, Ryan, now is the time to rise up and build. The world we want to sow restriction. The, Lord would, the world we want to sow limitation. But now is the time to rise up and build. I just felt in my soul courage from God again. And I want to impart that to you. No matter what we're going through, friends, God's got courage for you. Here's the second thing. So the first one, there's a comfort cycle. There's a comfort center. And I know some of you right now are thinking about that really nice bar of galaxy chocolate with a th- thick... <laughs> Uzi center. For you, that might be your comfort center. I'm not talking about it this morning. What is at the center of your comfort? You see, as we read through 2 Corinthians chapter 1, the center of Paul's comfort was not that he himself would be comforted, but that he would bring comfort to other people. Can you see that? What is at the center of our comfort? Is it us? Is it others? Is it God? When we make anything other than the Lord Jesus Christ the center of our comfort, we move into places of convenience. We set up idols. Uh, this, this is a thing I said I want, I want to say it out to you. My life, this is what happens when we live in convenience. And it's something that the Western church, we can get into this. My life is to fulfill the mission of God. Amen? But sometimes when we live in places of comfort, we make it God's mission to fulfill my life. Can you see that? God is calling us, church. He's saying, now is the time. We, I've felt this. There's a waking up. There's a shifting. There's a shaking. And we're saying, no, no more convenience. We're going to rise up and build. Where is this in Nehemiah? Well, as you read through the book, there were these three 
enemy rulers in the, in the nations around Israel, in the provinces around Israel. Their names were Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem. It's in Nehemiah 2 verse 10 if you want to read it later. Just read through the whole book. It's really, really good. They were comfortable with the convenience of having Israel in ruins. It meant that their prosperity was sealed. It meant that they didn't have to worry about going into the city and taking the plunder that they wanted to take, going into the fields. It was so convenient. But the convenience of the enemy is what God called Nehemiah into to change. And what happened as soon as Nehemiah told the people, come on, we're rising up and building, all of a sudden, the voice of the enemy went up to another level. They were writing complaints to Nehemiah. They were sending in fear. Do you know what their main strategy was? Fear. Read through this. Let me, let me read this right now because I, I want, there's something, God is on this right now. It's Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 19. And then Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official and Geshem the Arid heard it and they mocked us and they despised us and they said, what is this thing you're doing? Are you rebelling against the king? Oh, look at what you're doing. Are you breaking the law? Look at what you're doing. Are you going against what the king said? Guess what? Nehemiah had letters from the king. He was actually doing the king's bidding. Yet in places and times of comfort and convenience, the enemy wants to use fear to try and control you. And here's Nehemiah's reply. He could have said, no, I've got letters from the king. I'm actually commissioned by the king. Do you know this Nehemiah was actually the governor of the land of Judah? He was the ruler of the land of Judah. He's so humble. He doesn't mention that until like the middle of the book. I like this guy. But here, here's his reply. He says, I answered them and said, the God of heaven will give us success. Therefore, we, his servants, will arise and build. But you have no portion or right in this city, in Jerusalem. He could have answered and said, look, I've got letters from the king. Look, your fear, your threats, your intimidation, it's, it's unfounded, but he doesn't. He goes where? He goes to a higher authority. He goes to a higher court. Church, let's rise up and build, not just with the bricks and mortar of what we see around us, but with the supernatural tools of the Spirit of God. We will be those who rise up and say from the heavenly place, no, this is what God has told us to do. God has called the church to be a house of prayer. God has called the church to be a transformational power. God has called the church to infect culture. To affect, that's a better word, to affect culture, to bring about change, to bring about transformation, to touch our communities, to reach out despite any spirit of restriction. And let me just say this as well. I, I have opinions about the government. And as Trevor said, opinions are like armpits. We all have them and sometimes they stink. So I'm not going to share my opinions with you, Okay. But what I am going to share with you is what I believe we need to do. We need to pray for the government. We need to lay down opinions. We need to lay down those things. We need to pray for the government. We need to pray from a higher government power. You see, the government makes rules. The government makes guidelines. The government is doing the best they can, and I do not want their job one iota. I don't, I'm not jealous for what they're having to go through, but here's what happens. In the moment where they're having to put rules in place, a spirit of restriction sneaks in. And yes, there's a rule in place. And yes, you know what? We are fulfilling every single rule. But what happens is a spirit of restriction comes in and it starts to sow things that are restrictive and we feel more restricted than we should be. 
Why? Because in the place of guidelines, the Spirit has come on and sown seeds of doubt, sowed seeds of limitation, sowed seeds of, const- seeds of constriction. You need to understand what we're up against. And like Nehemiah, we say, yes, I can see what you're saying on a, a physical, natural level, but we look to a supernatural level. Do I have an amen in the house this morning? Type amen on the stream as well. Just type it. I know this is getting to you. God is going to use you to rise up and build. Let's be in Nehemiah. We face the ridicule. We go into situations and we rise and build. Here's the third one, guys. I'm, I'm getting there. This is our comfort source. We had a comfort cycle. We had a comfort center. And now we have a comfort source. What is the source of our comfort? We know that Paul writes, the God of all comfort will comfort us. Our Father God is the comforter. The Holy Spirit is the one who comes to us in the times of distress. And it's any time that we go and try and find comfort in any other source that we lead our lives into places of compromise. Church, we are rising up from compromise. We are rising up from times where we sold ourselves short of the calling of God upon our lives to be a voice. You know, I sense it in the last couple of months. There's been a vacuum of positive words. There's been a vacuum of encouragement across social media, upon the atmosphere. And we church are those who are now going to rise up. We're not going to compromise. We're not going to join our voices with negative words. We're going to start to speak truth in hope, truth in power. Amen. That's what we do. We're not going to compromise. Um, God is the source of all our comfort. In our discomfort, God will comfort us. That's the good news. Where is this in Nehemiah? Well, if you read uh, Nehemiah chapter 5, the leaders of the land were selling their own people into slavery in order to pay for them while the walls were ruined to have a, a lovely life. That was a place of compromise. Nehemiah came in and he put things right. He, he stirred them up to build. He helped them face the enemy and he got rid of areas of compromise in their lives. Let's take our need for, uh, for control, really. You know, there's another thing I need to add here. Is comfort is re- often equated and related to control. We feel discomfortable when we don't seem to have any control over the situation. I'm just having to come to a place where I say, Father God, the world is in your hands. Father God, you are the one who is in control. Father God, I might not be able to decide exactly what the news is going to say tomorrow or where my children are going to be able to go to school or not tomorrow. But Lord, in, the, in me feeling like I have no control, I put you at the center of my life. You are the one who is in control. I submit myself to you again, Lord Jesus. We don't go through any places of compromise then. But let's be like those who rise up. I'm going to bring this to a close now, friends. What then is the burden that we should carry? How should we, what should we do? We're going to be those who um, are comforted by God, who carry his message out. What should we do? I'm not going to read the first chapter of Nehemiah, but read it. It's all in there. Here's the first thing. We need to be those who pray. We need to be those who pray like Nehemiah prayed. I'm, I will actually just quickly read you this. Listen, Nehemiah chapter 1. Verse 5, and I said, I beseech you, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who preserves the covenant of love and kindness for those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear now be attentive and your eyes open to the prayers of your saints. Verse 7, we've acted corruptly against you. Verse 8, remember the words. It goes on and it's just the most beautiful prayer. And as I was reading this, I, I felt the Lord just remind me and said, Ryan, 
We say that we pray, but if you were to write a prayer journal, what would your prayer sound like? Church, I made, a, I made a comment about the new normal. Let me tell you this. This is something that Anna and I have been talking about. When, God, when Jesus talks about this story of the wineskin or, or sewing a new patch on an old shirt or putting old wine into new wineskins, this is what happens. We think, oh, we're in a new normal. Everything is going to be different. The wineskin was still a wineskin. The shirt was still a shirt. Let me tell you, the call of the church is still the call of the church. Things might look different, but we are a church who is called to be a house of prayer. We are a church who is called, as I said in Ephesians 10, to address powers and rulers in the, in the heavenly realms. We are called to be a church who rises up in prayer, in passionate prayer. Let's challenge ourselves. Let's start writing down our prayers. And you know why that's so good? Because we, we can't always meet together. And those of you watching online, you can do this as well. We can start a prayer journal. I've got to test me for you. Uh, God challenged me on this and I started writing it down. Okay, Lord, I'm going to write down my prayers, not just my study notes. I'm going to start writing down the things I want to see you do. And I was reading in the book of Corinthians and there's the most beautiful passage there talking about fathers in the house of God uh, instructing and training their children to prophesy and to play instruments. And I said, Lord, I'm claiming that one for Ben. I'm claiming that one for Beth, for Lissy, for my children. Lord, I pray that you'd use me to release them in worship to prophesy to you. And do you know what happened this weekend at the conference? Bethany got this, the most incredible word from God. I think it rocked her socks. She's like, oh my God knows me so well. It's just beautiful. And she's writing songs. Benjamin is doing like so well. And I'm just in, in I don't know, a month maybe, thanking the Lord that he answered my prayer because I listened to him and I wrote it down. Can you imagine, friends, how simple that is? God's calling us to partner with him to pray. Let's just think about how simple that is. You know, Nehemiah had the attention of the king when he took him his cup of wine. It was a couple of months that he had the attention of the king. Church, we have the attention of the king of all the world every single day. He invites you. He invites me. He invites us to come into his presence, to make our petitions known before him, to drink of his new wine, to enjoy being in his presence. Let's be those who write down. Let's, let's, let's take our prayer to another level. Amen? Let's take our prayer to another level. We're coming up as well to uh, the biblical new year. There's a, and Thursday night is actually the evening before Rosh Hashanah. Now that, that's a Hebrew word. What it means is the start of the year, the head of the year. Now if you imagine in, in our, in our um, calendar, this took me a while to get used to because I come from the Southern Hemisphere and we're very logical in the Southern Hemisphere. The school year starts in January, so does the year start in January. It just seems to all make sense. But here, the school year starts in September, right? The new year starts in January. The financial year starts sometime after April or May. It seems to change. I never get my head around it. We have all these different starts of the year and we're very comfortable with that, aren't we? It's the same when we look at the Word of God. God is starting in God's calendar Rosh Hashanah, this Thursday night, we're going to be having the start of the year. I know it's the next day, Karen. It's the next, we're doing it on the Thursday. Friday is actually the Rosh Hashanah, but we're doing it on that day. It's not a legalistic thing, but we're getting ourselves aligned with Christ. We're going to have a prayer time from six to seven. Watch the stream or come and join us here. We are going to be praying as we enter into this new season. We're going to be doing the same on a special day called the Day of Atonement. It's a day 10 days after Rosh Hashanah where God's people could come to Him to be purified, to be set 
up ready for the whole year ahead. That's going to be on Monday, the 28th of, October, of September. And we're going to have prayer watches throughout the day. We're going to be fasting that day, just centering, centering ourselves upon Christ and praying. So let's be a church that prays. Let's be a church that prays. When, when you get that impression, when the Lord puts a person's name on your heart, we pray for it right there and then. We are a people who begin to pray. Um, like Nehemiah, let's pray for our government. Where's that? Well, in Nehemiah chapter 1, the last verse, and he ends this whole prayer and he says, Lord, I beseech thee, may your ear be attentive to the prayers of your servant, the prayer of your servants. You see, he associated with everyone who delight to reveal your name and make your servant successful today and grant him compassion before this man. For I was cupbearer to the king. Nehemiah was praying even for the king, praying for the government. He was putting words of uh, favor and hope and praying for the leaders. Let's pray for the leaders. I said that already. Let's pray for our government. How are we praying? Well, God, I'm, I'm praying, friends. God, kill this virus. We can pray that. Are we praying that? We're not going to be complacent with this is the way things are. Who knows what's going to happen? Are we going to be like this till Christmas? I'm talking really, really fast. God, kill the virus. Let's pray it. God, bless people with wisdom to overcome this thing. This is on our watch, friends. We're not going to be complacent. We're going to pray against this. Lord, release healing. Lord, release strategy. Lord, do this. But God, while we're waiting, this is also what I'm praying, work in our lives everything that you have to work that we can only be worked out in a time like this. God didn't send it. Let me get that right. But while we're going through this, God works everything together for His good. Have a look around, church. Just have a look around. I know online you can't, but online I want to speak this as well. There's people in this room who, who are new to us, and it's such a blessing to have you. You wouldn't have been here if it weren't for the situation we're in. There's people watching online. You wouldn't have been watching if it weren't for the situation we're in. Let me tell you, here's the thing of comfort. God is working this out for His good. He has a plan. So while we pray, Lord, would you continue to do everything that you can work out in this season. We need to pray against fear and restriction. We need to pray against those spirits that are at work in the heavenly places. Here's the next thing. We need to be together. Nehemiah knew what it was to be together. He associated with the sins, but with not, not with the guilt. He associated with the people, even though he didn't live in that place. He walked through the walls. He didn't turn up and say, right, guys, I'm the governor. Here's what we're going to do. He walked through the walls at night. He checked out the situation. He came along and he said, look, how, look at the state we are in. He associated with, friends, let's continue to be together. We need each other. We can't do this alone. God's saying that to me. I'm the kind of guy who just wants to get on and do everything by myself. I can't do this alone. We need each other. And finally, we are going to be those who give a purpose to the world. As we rebuild, I just see God is, God is putting stones in your hand to rebuild the wall. And you are going to reassign the purpose as you put that in. You might be saying, but Ryan, it's just one brick. But when you look around, you see that a church, you see the church of Jesus Christ, not just revival fires. You see the move of God putting bricks in place, putting stones in place. It could be you and your family giving purpose to, to a Sunday meal after church today. It could be you going into your workplace and speaking a word of hope. You are assigning purpose. You are putting a wall, a brick in the stone wall. You are building because now is the time, friends, when we rise up and go. We've, we are those who are awake. We shake off the discomfort, and we rise up and we build. Amen? Why don't you stand with me this morning?
Jude and the team are going to come up. I want to just pray for us. And then we're going to take an offering. Thanks for, thanks for listening. Thanks for hanging on, guys. It's just so good to see so many of you in church today. Why don't you just, uh, just whatever you need to do to, to, to position and to identify with this word. You might want to put your hand on your heart, but I'm just going to pray for you. Aaron, why don't you come here as well? I want you to, to pray something. We just pray right now, Father God, we thank you for your presence, Lord. We thank you that we are those who have been awoken by your presence. We thank you that you are calling us with such purpose and such destiny. And we say right now, Lord, as we, as we stand with our, our hands high or our hands on our heart, we just mark us out. We say, Lord, here we are. We are those who will rise and build. Lord, we put our comfort in you and you alone. When the things seem like they're shaking, the things that we might be standing on are shaking. Lord, we just place ourselves in you and you alone. And I release right now a spirit of comfort that the God of all comfort would move upon you. That He would be the same one who's giving you that faith to go. That faith to pick up that idea, to pick up that seed that you have upon your heart. Just receive it right now and 